We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current for Friday, July 15th. The amount of smoke you're seeing in the air really depends on when you're looking. Gurov is visiting with his family from Dallas. He said he'd seen it change day by day since the fire broke out. It was, it was a lot of smoke yesterday. Uh, I think today was good. It was not that bad. Since it began on July 7th, last Thursday, rapidly spreading over 500 square miles overnight, and now at more than 4,700 square miles, the Washburn Fire has captured the attention of everyone in California and curious watchers online across the country and the world. Located at the southwest corner of Yosemite National Park, and edging its way into part of Sierra National Park. And as it's forced evacuations of several nearby communities like Wawona, the Washburn Fire poses a grave threat to parts of one of the world's greatest ecological treasures, the enormous and majestic sequoia of the Mariposa Grove, home to some 500 of the world's largest and oldest trees. My colleagues Mallory Sumera and Megan Goldsby spoke about Megan's time over the past week covering the Washburn fire in Yosemite. So you just got back a couple of days ago from Yosemite uh, where you were reporting on the Washburn fire. Um, tell me what it was like, first of all, you know, like driving into Yosemite and, and what what that was like for you. Yeah, so I went in Monday night, and you could see this plume of smoke. On Monday, we could see a bit of the haze of the smoke in the Bay Area. So once I started getting closer, and it's about a, a three, three-and-a-half-hour drive to Oakhurst, which is where I was staying, and there was a community meeting that night I wanted to get to. As I got in about an hour and a half away from Oakhurst, I could see the big plume already. That's a really large fire, if you can see it from that far. Once I got into Oakhurst itself for that meeting, I could still see the plume open up over the mountains, but it's really interesting how many fires we all get used to here in California. And the fact that that wasn't too, you know, unusual for a lot of the folks there, it wasn't, you know, there's going about their everyday life. At the meeting, there were folks from the town of Wawona, which is the small town right inside Yosemite that's still evacuated. It's actually about 160 people that live there, a very, very small town. So there was a community meeting there to talk to them about when they might be able to get back into their houses, let them know kind of the, the feel of how this firefight was going. And that was an interesting atmosphere to arrive at uh, when I first showed up because people were obviously 
obviously grateful. People are always grateful for firefighters coming from far away to help. But there's also in some local communities a bit of suspicion, which is interesting. There is fear that the fire is not being fought as hard as it could. I think what that partially comes from is that there are fires in Yosemite that are allowed to burn out naturally because the nature sometimes starts fires and it's part of forest management, if you the will. Forest ecology. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. So often they will let those fires at least partially burn out if they're not going to affect any towns. Uh, but this one was not a natural started fire. There was no lightning in the area at the time, nothing they could point to. Um, they haven't released the cause, but they say that because it was started by a human, either mistake or on purpose, that they were going to fight this one and put it out until it was completely out. But residents there were worried that the crews were not using fire retardant um, because it's national forest land. Oh, so that changes how you fight the fire. It would, but, and uh, many residents I talked to told me that the, the firefighters who were there uh, were saying, no, of course we're using retardant. We're using everything we can. People yeah. that I talked to, even after hearing that said, I don't believe them. I haven't seen it. So there is an air of suspicion there. A funny little cap on that story was that I was staying in my hotel that night after work and two giant trucks of retardant pulled up right outside my window. And I went, I wish these folks could see this. It's right here. So they were skeptical that retardant wasn't being used. Exactly. They believe that it's not a part of the firefight there because the land is is special, preserved, and you know the retardant is a chemical, but the fire crews there say, yes, of course they're using retardant. I tried to figure out why uh, they wouldn't have seen it, but it's such a huge, huge area. I could see that big plume from very far away, but it wasn't until you got up much, much closer that you could see any aircraft at all. From miles and miles away, you don't see retardant being poured on it, so I think that's what made the town skeptical. So that was kind of an interesting uh, welcome to town situation when I first arrived. How are crews and park officials sort of balancing the protection of the Redwoods versus the larger mission, which is fighting the fire? Well, when it comes to the Redwoods, the protection didn't just start when the fire started, from what I understand. So that's an area, because those trees are so famous, they obviously predate the park, they're ancient trees, that's an area that they work at protecting year-round, which does mean prescribed burns right around the trees. You know, sequoias, redwoods can handle a little bit of fire. So these sequoias need fire for some of their cones to open to create more trees. So because of that, some prescribed burns over what they told me was the last 50 years have happened in that area, which means that when a fire like this happens, it's an easier grove to protect. But they did a a few things right away. They went in and picked up uh, some dead trees and other brush from the base of those trees to make sure it was all cleared around them. And then they put sprinklers on them, which is just quite the image to picture this grove of famous trees with sprinklers all around. What they want to do is keep the root system wet. So redwood root systems are huge, as you can imagine, um, but they're also very shallow. So if a spark or fire could get into the root system, it can follow uh, that system up into the tree, which obviously could be fatal to that tree. So they did a lot of sprinkling around it. They kept firefighters keeping lines from the fire to the trees, and that was one of their main goals since the beginning. One thing they didn't do this time around was wrap the trees in foil. You may remember those images from last year. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they decided not to do that, I guess, because the sprinklers and having firefighters there, it was all working, is what officials said, to keep the fire away. So they didn't feel like they needed to wrap them in foil, which is what they would have had to do if the fire had been moving in a more strong way towards those trees instead of in the opposite direction. And, you know, I heard in one of your reports that, you know, it it's not it wasn't growing very quickly. And why why was that? It was an interesting fire because uh, I realized a lot of times when we cover fires here, we almost automatically say a fast-moving wildfire, a quickly growing wildfire because everything's so dry. What uh, crews kept saying over and over every time they talked to the media was, this is not growing quickly, and that's because of the terrain it was moving through. A lot of these huge old trees, many of them downed or you know still living but being burned through, they're so thick, it takes a really long time to get through those trees. So I was there three days. Each day, it only added a few hundred acres a day. If you can think about some of the fires we've seen, you know, Napa, Sonoma, Vallejo area, things that will just blow up to a few hundred acres within minutes. And this is only growing as large as it's been a few hundred acres a day. It's because it moves so slowly through those trees. But as it moves through those trees, of course, it gets very, very hot and sends up a ton of smoke, which is why you could see that huge smoke plume. When you were there, what was the level of urgency like? You know, were firefighters really worried? And, you know, how did that compare to some of the urgency, you know, that you felt from some of the residents or tourists there? It was really interesting to, to, to hear them talk about the fire officials that we got to talk to with the media about how confident they were that it was going to take some time. This is a big fire, but that they were making progress, putting this thing out. And it was all due to how many people they were able to get to this so quickly. I mean, there aren't any other giant fires in California. Other you know fires are burning, but they were able to get so many crew members on it because uh, it, there, it's just early in fire season and there weren't a lot of fires. So the uh, urgency of getting everyone in as quickly as possible, they have teams that they call hot shots and they can go in from helicopter into areas that are hard to reach and they can even work at night. That was another big surprise for me that hot shots already such a cool name. And then they're going in at night out of helicopters to to tackle these fires. And some of the crews were from Southern California. So anytime a fire starts now in California, obviously a lot of urgency. This time they just were so lucky to be able to get so many people from so far away to attack it quickly. But of course, the firefight is still very difficult because of that really, really dense terrain and hills. The goal has been to get the fire moving to this rocky area and a river to try to have a natural block. Uh, And that's worked out because it's the opposite direction of the town of Wawona and that very special grove of sequoia trees. How close is this to all of the sort of like touristy areas that are in Yosemite? I guess the theme today is how many things surprised me at this fire, but I was so surprised that it was so far away that when I was at the South Gate, uh, which is the closest gate of Yosemite to the fire, and it's closed uh, completely. That's where Wawona is. It's also been closed to media because it was just too dangerous to let folks in to even see the flames. I wanted to talk to some people who had come to vacation in Yosemite and had to drive around to get to the gate at El Portal, the, the central gate on the western side. And it was a three-hour trip. 
all the way around. So yeah, it was, and you know, I had to obviously go around is why it was so long and there was a lot of traffic, but the fact that there was a lot of traffic shows how many people were still coming into the Valley to have their vacation. We wanted to see how smoky it was. I thought I'm just going to, I want to judge this for myself once I'm there. And it was hazy at times. I couldn't necessarily see all of Half Dome. The peaks were sort of obscured, Uh, but it honestly was not quite as bad as I thought it would be considering that there was a, there's a very large fire inside the park. And that just goes to show you how big this is. I was doing a live report on KCBS um, and anchor Chris Ancarlo asked me if from the Valley floor, where a lot of the attractions are, the natural attractions, if I could see the, the airplanes dropping, you know, retardant or dropping water. And I said, had to tell him, no, I was far enough away from this fire that's so large that it's closed part of this park that I couldn't see that part. It was kind of amazing. So I've had a lot of people ask me, uh, even friends texting me, should I go on my vacation to Yosemite? Is it smoky? What's it like? And it's been kind of a hard thing to answer because it changes so often. If you can imagine, I mean, we've all been in smoke in different times in the past few years. There'll be times when you look up and see some blue sky and then other times where it's kind of almost feels hard to see in front of you. And so that's what Yosemite has been going through and what fire officials expect it might be going through over the next few weeks as they continue to battle this. So they're thinking it might take a few weeks or so. Yeah, it's always our job in the media to try to bug them and ask them, you know, when, when, when are you going to have this wrapped up? And it's their Twice job to <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> their job to, to make sure they don't give us any definitive answer that they don't know if they can stick to. But the closest we could get was weeks. This is not going to be wrapped up by this weekend, but they are still continuing to, you know, get a handle on it and chase it in the direction they want to. So it looks right now like a few weeks, which could mean many things. And thank you to Mallory and Megan. We'd love to be part of your daily routine. You can subscribe to Bay Current on the Odyssey app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or just about anywhere you listen. That's it for today's Bay Current. I'm Matt Pittman. We'll chat with you again next week. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 